district you know the pope listens dynasty our religion for the blokes missing on all of these trades on all of these plays on all of these grades by the end of the day y'all getting played so what you gonna do next try to fill up that flex send the homie a text that trash off is the best you try to make it complex then they text you back now all of a sudden they don't make any sense <laughs> broaden your horizons boy dynasty's not for the simons boy these trades not for consignment boy respect your opponent y'all some piranhas boy this my advice from me to you open up your cute little podcast queue search up g-o-a-t district my dude pop it in your ear man y'all know what to do it's the and i always be traded and i always be traded and i always be trading y'all try to betray them but first you gotta bait them fish What is up, Fantasyland? Oh, we have a bit of a delay for some reason. Are you guys hearing me delayed, or are you getting my volume straight and my picture is delayed? Uh, picture is delayed. Yeah, the picture is yeah. delayed. Audio right. is good. Dan, I, I'm going to leave and let you take over and try to figure this out. I don't know why I'm getting a delay on my end. All right. Apologies, so, guys. That sounds good. All right. So while JD leaves... Um, and yes, he fixed the banner for us. Good. So we're, we're all good. And welcome to the GOAT District. Uh, this is a professional podcast, uh, no matter what it looks like right now. So uh, we are live via the Player Profiler Network. And uh, thank you all for joining us. Um, make sure you smash that like button. We really appreciate you taking the, the time to do so. I mean, you know, it's easy. You like us. We like you. You know, why not? You know, you like us, we'll like you back. So please do that. If you have time, even subscribe. If you haven't done so, go to the Goat District channel on YouTube. Just type in Goat District. Subscribe to that one too. Lots more good stuff there. And let's have a great show. We're going to have fun because we got Josh Larkey from the 33rd team. Very excited to have Josh on. Josh, you're a veteran of the Goat District now. This is uh, fifth or sixth time, something like that? Or am I, I think I think this is seven. I think seven. this is seven. I'm yeah, we're we're, I, we're we're closing in on double digits at this point. So Excellent. I can say confidently I haven't guessed it on any other show as much as this one. So, well, there we uh, go. It's an honor and privilege to just keep keep on coming back every couple months. And, and, and we do appreciate that as well. Uh, you know, out of, out of all of our guests, uh, you are definitely one of the ones who's uh, who casts the widest net, as we say, uh, as far as like all the different parts of fantasy and football and everything else that you touch and have your hands on and you know put your brain cells into and everything else uh, so if you if you don't mind josh why don't you let us know what's going on at uh uh 33rd team and uh, you know what you're into lately and you know just kind of give us a little synopsis of where you're at sure at this point the the season's winding down we're in week 16 so we're just kind of maintaining surviving uh the i feel like these next two weeks it's a lot of just interacting with people in the 33rd team discord, helping them with like their individual fantasy teams since it's kind of crunch time right now for those that are still in it. And I know that this is kind of the time when like general interest wanes for fantasy because people that are getting out of the playoffs are no longer invested, but that, but the, losers. Like the select few, yeah, the losers, but those that are still in it, it's almost like they, they crave the attention, the content. So we're just doing a, a lot of, fantasy football playoff stuff the the one thing i'll plug is 
Ryan Reynolds, who I believe has actually guested on this show before as well. He he and I co-authored a guide to the fantasy football playoffs that we put out a couple weeks ago, and we're going to submit that to the FSWA tomorrow. We'll see how that does. Hopefully we get some kind of nomination, some, some kind of thanks for our efforts, but it was all about like little micro edges with the schedule. Since I think that's really what it is at this point is just, and we're going to talk about it th- throughout this show is we, we have two weeks. It's a mini sample and there's going to be slight edges with that schedule, especially on the fringes where there, there's some players where just talent role usage. We really don't care who the matchup is. They're just getting started. And then after you hit like those first 15 players, almost everyone's really dependent on who that matchup actually is for the upside. And that's what we're going to kind of break down today. Awesome. Awesome. JD, anything you want to add before we, uh, yeah, no apologies for messing up the walk-in guys. We have such a big, big guest like 1912. I, I think 1912 went back and checked the record books, but he's got Josh at seven appearances now in the district. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more, to be honest, we've got, uh, the podcast that we did before we were even on video. So he may have even jumped on, in one of those back in the day but we appreciate you guys in the chat you guys are always live we appreciate you guys just joining us just join us every tuesday guys 9 p.m eastern right here 9 30 p.m eastern live in the on the player profiler network make sure you smash the like button you guys all follow josh already if you don't i mean you're missing out big time and you're probably not playing this week or in the playoffs um but i'm sure our audience is and uh tonight's a big show we're gonna get you guys ready to dominate your playoffs it's an important time of the season uh i know dan and i have some teams dan's like crushing it the dan's like dan's like in the real money you know like like i'm tasting the money i can kind of see it in the distance but dan is dan is i don't want to jinx it you know we don't want to we want to get the good good (laughs) but dan's crushing it in those big tourneys this year uh on two different sites so you know no flukes there if you're not tuning in guys you're missing out let's get to the goodness dan you you had like a pretty important public service announcement uh, for our peeps. I don't, if I missed it already and you said it, let me know, we'll jump into the goodness. But if you haven't, I think it's a great one uh, to start off the show. No, no, let's uh, let's definitely dive right in. And basically the, the, the PSA is this, hey, it's the playoffs, but you know what? Don't forget to enjoy the season and where you're at. You know what, if you're still playing, you survive the fantasy football equivalent of like uh, the American Ninja Warrior or uh, uh, I don't know if anybody was watched that stupid game Wipeout, you know, where they're all, you know, like all the stuff is above water and they keep, you know, there's all sorts of obstacles and everything they got to go over and bounce off of and whatnot. That's what that's what the fantasy season is like. It's like the NFL throws every single thing it can at us. You know, we start off the season week one. We've drafted the best team ever. This team is going to absolutely crush. There's no doubt about it. And by like week four, you know, you're starting to to feel a little bit stunned and, and, uh, you know, things are coming at you fast. And by the time you get through, uh, you know, week 12, 13, 14, man, what a grind. And you, you know, you survived it all. And here you are, you're still standing here. You're in the playoffs. So give yourself a pat on the back. And the main thing to keep in mind is the rest of the way variance is going to trump everything. There is more that you can't control in the playoffs than what you can. You've kind of passed over from the regular season where you can control a lot to the playoffs where you have a lot less control. So even the most studly teams, hey, they can get beaten by some pretty unlikely teams. Uh, You know, I I had a a super flex team uh, that won with uh, Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins. Um, You know, and 
I had one other Dan, that was Dan's the king of the waiver wire quarterbacks. I have a super flex team with him, and we're still alive because he went out and got Flacco, Mullins. Who else did you get it? You picked up yo, you picked up oh. Minshew. Like you just nailed those quarterbacks off of waivers. It's awesome. Yeah, Bailey Zappy, I think, might be on there, or that might be a different team. I don't know. It's just, you know, I, 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 I'm the guy who's at the bottom of the dumpster. You know, after you've lifted off all the trash and you're scooping out the sludge, that's me getting those quarterbacks. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, the most unlikely teams can win. So don't take your losses too hard and savor every win, whether you think or not it was deserved or not. Because you know what? Sometimes you're going to get beat by teams that are less deserving than, than your team. You look at your team and like, this team should have won. But other times you're going to be that lucky team. So just keep in mind, everything that goes around comes around. And so, you know, take what you get. But that's not to say we don't have some control. This is a time of year where players emerge from out of nowhere and they wreck the status quo where it matters the most. Don't be blindsided. Stay up on the news. Get ahead of the curve where you can. Be thinking ahead. What happens if this running back goes down? Who's the next man up now? What happens if, uh, you know, if this team gets knocked out of the playoffs? How is that going to change how they manage their roster and, who, and who's in the game? All that kind of stuff. And, of course, there's the injuries and bad performances of the players that carry this far. That can determine your fate, too. But you don't have any control of that. So control what you can. Don't worry about the other stuff. And enjoy where you're at. So when we come back, we're going to take a look at some of those situations and we're going to help you control what you can. So let's let's uh, get a word from our sponsors and uh, get right back here. This episode is brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Rival Fantasy, the coolest fantasy platform not enough people know about, but they will once I'm done, baby, because they're always innovating. They just rolled out seasonal leagues. We set them up for patrons, for our listeners, and they funded over $1,000 in payouts. That's what Rival's all about. They're always innovating. They already had the fantasy book where you can take overs and unders, stack them up, multiply your payout, but then they added challenges so you can set your own lines and put them out there for the community and then you can browse the community's lines and say hey this guy's crazy i'm gonna take the other side it's cool and they have fantasy bingo rival fantasies reminded me how much fun i can have with fantasy football and use that promo code player the promo code is player they give you a 100 instant deposit match plus 25 dollars plus a free play that promo code is player for up to 125 dollars in deposit bonus and a free play you can't beat it. All right, we are back with the Josh Larkey, one of the best in the game. I'm sure you all know that. We're going to get into some specific topics across the NFL that are relevant to your teams advancing in the playoffs, how you play these. We're talking curveballs or opportunities, Josh. Dan, I know you love these topics. I mean, we've got some some pretty – it's funny just looking at the names that we're going to discuss here today, guys. We, we talk about the starting quarterbacks in the NFL as we go into Week 16. It is definitely an interesting bunch, not one that I don't think anyone would have predicted back in August. But right now, Dan, Sam Howell, number seven in passing yards this season, right now, the Commanders, recently benched this past weekend, got pulled actually in the fourth quarter, quotes – well, we're just really trying to take care of him a little bit, Rivera said in his post-game press conference. He got into a situation and then the ears pinned back like that. Didn't want to see anything crazy. So, Josh, I'll go to you first. Can we still start Owl versus the Jets? I know right now I think the spread is about three in favor of the Jets at home, so 
that's about a pick him according to Vegas. What does this do for the other pieces around the quarterback in that offense? So I, I wouldn't start Sam Howell this week. I think he's going to be the starter for the whole game, assuming nothing weird happens. I think Jacoby Brissett was just uh, showed up last week in the fourth quarter. But the Jets are a really, really difficult matchup for opposing quarterbacks. When you adjust for schedule, they are the hardest matchup for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks average five fewer fantasy points a game against the Jets than their season-long average. Only one quarterback this year, Josh Allen, even reached 20 fantasy points against the Jets. His other game against the Jets, he had just nine fantasy points. Ultimately, I don't really see how sitting Sam Howell burns you this week. Should Brian Robinson suit up after the hamstring injury, I'd be starting him. The Jets have struggled against running backs. You adjust for schedule, you adjust for opponents. I have it as the 11th best matchup for running backs. The problem is if Robinson doesn't play, that Antonio Gibson, Chris Rodriguez committee from last week was uh, not what we'd like. Rodriguez had 10 carries. Gibson had four carries and five targets. You simply can't start either of those guys if there's any money on the line in week 16. And then if we adjust for schedule, not only is this the worst quarterback matchup, it's the worst receiver matchup. Wide receiver rooms overall score 13 fewer fantasy points a game against the Jets. That's just god-awful. We already haven't really liked trying to figure out if it's a McLaurin game, a Dotson game, a Curtis Samuel game. I, I really have no interest in anyone on this team this week unless Brian Robinson suits up. They're, they're basically desperate flexes, Dan. I know you and I had Dotson to, to kind of unfortunately throw in instead of Palmer. And uh, I can't remember if that worked out and we switched them for Reed. But anyways, I feel like these these Washington pieces are kind of like those those flex desperate moves. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about Howell going into this week versus the Jets? Yeah, it's it, it's tough with Howell versus the Jets. Um, you know, the, the main thing I, I found interesting was, you know, this was – it, it looked pretty clearly like to me like a benching from Rivera and so you know just adding that extra little bit of uh worry about that I mean you know I think I think Howell could probably you know get there on yards I don't think he's going to get there on touchdowns but if we got to worry about a benching too uh you know that pushes him way way down the ranks he should already be pushed down for all the reasons that Josh listed uh but I think the the benching risk push it pushes it down even more and that makes a lot of the guys um, you know, in the passing game, unstartable as Josh already got into. What I'm curious, Josh, is what do you think about uh, Howell as a starter next year? Do you think Washington is just automatically going to ride with him as a starter next year? And follow up to that question, what about uh, Jacoby Brissett? Do you think he's going to be able to get out anywhere and, and maybe get a starting opportunity? Or is he going to be kind of uh, stuck in the same place he was this year where probably he's going to be uh, mentoring a, a younger quarterback? I think with Sam Howell, I could see it going either way. I think he's done enough this year to merit some team taking a chance on him. I think the Commanders is the wrong spot for that. Not a great offensive line. Rebuilding team that's going to have a really high pick in the draft this year. They currently only have four wins. I could see him succeeding potentially somewhere like Atlanta. Could see Justin Fields succeeding there. Just one of these quarterbacks with mobility where they get behind a good offensive line with great weapons and a coach that really doesn't want to have the quarterback have too much on his plate at any one time. I just really don't think Washington's a spot for Howell. Jacoby Brissett, heading into this year, I would not have said, oh yeah, Jacoby Brissett's going to start games in 2024. After seeing the state of the quarterback position this year, I actually think Jacoby Brissett has a pretty legitimate case to start games this next year. I mean, if we if we go through teams, just top of my head, uh, Browns could have him if something happened with Watson again. Uh, let's see. Raiders. Uh, I, I'm sure like a 
ton more teams. The mm-hmm. Colts, I think, would actually be a pretty good spot to bring him back and mentor Richardson. So I just think he could definitely start some games early next year or at least be a really well-paid backup. But I don't think either of them make sense for Washington. This is a rebuild. I think they should draft a quarterback. They're going to have a really good pick. And they actually have a lot of interesting pieces on this team. It's just missing a quarterback and missing offensive line primarily. The last time Sam Howell was not a QB1 was week seven against the Giants. He's been a QB1 ever since, giving us some top five. I think it's going to be hard for some fantasy teams to sit him. But coming off, and I mean, hey, if you just look at the narratives and that fun stuff coming off of a benching like that, you got to think he's going to want to, you know, kind of kiss back to the coach, even though he might not be his coach for very long. You got to think that he wants to make up for that that performance and just being embarrassed, you know, it's You got to think any of these quarterbacks getting benched, it, it's got to be embarrassing and they want to kind of get back on the field and make it right. So we're going to see that this week against the jets, another not so great QB situation in Atlanta, Desmond Ritter benched, but Arthur Smith still runs the show under what circumstances, Josh, are you starting Bijan London and Pitts, or Pitts and or, We'll, we'll start with uh, the negatives. I'm not going to start Drake London. I'm not going to start Kyle Pitts in any formats. Ultimately, we want ceiling this week. Drake London has reached 15 fantasy points in just three of his 13 games, which means that uh, that's roughly one in four games he's gotten there. And then Kyle Pitts has reached 15 fantasy points in one of 14 games. That is pretty terrifying. When we get to Bijan, I'm a little more optimistic. I don't really see how you can keep him under 10 touches in back-to-back weeks. He lost a fumble last week against the Panthers. Maybe Arthur Smith was just punishing him. Ultimately, this is a team that scored seven points last week. You you really, how, how long do you want to keep this punishment? I, I think Bijan's going to be back. The Colts are the third best matchup for fantasy running backs when you look at opponents, schedule, etc. I don't see how you, you don't give Bijan Robinson 20 touches again after he was very, very, very lightly used. I put out a tweet earlier this week. Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts combined for 13 touches last week. 13. Tyler Algier had 15. They scored seven points. I I don't know how you do this again. It makes absolutely no sense. They're clinging to the fringes of a playoff spot. Maybe they want to stay in contention. You simply have to give Bijan the ball. And I I just don't trust the volume in this pass attack. Dan, anything to add with the Atlanta, um, you know, kind of Ferrari with no no good driver i guess on the team to take it for a good spin yeah i mean with with taylor heineke maybe uh, that might unlock it might unlock london a little bit more uh, pitts i think is is held on lockdown mostly by arthur smith and not so much by his quarterback uh, whereas london i feel like might be a little bit more locked down by having to deal with ritter than uh you know necessarily exactly what the scheme is uh, but it, I'm still not excited about starting London anywhere. Bijan, I totally agree with Josh. It's it's just got to be, you know, it, Arthur Smith has is he's coaching for his job right now. I think uh, you know Arthur Blank, the owner of the the uh, the Falcons, is one of the more patient owners in the league. So you know, in in one sense, that's something that Arthur Smith has going in his corner. I mean, he you know Arthur Blank Blank hung on with uh, Dan Quinn for several years, you know, when they were just kind of treading water like they're doing right now. So um, I can't say for sure that Arthur Smith is going to be gone, but I think he does need to show that he is not going to 
continue to misuse these guys in the way that he has, or he might be gone. Thoughts kind on of that, your JD? primary job as as a as a, you know what I mean, like is to use the weapons properly. Is that's kind mm-hmm. of a job requirement. Maybe he says the playoffs, making the playoffs, wasn't necessarily uh, in there as him. You know whether he keeps their job, his job, not or, or not. But I think Dan, like you know, it's that's kind of the a given requirement as a head coach to use your weapons properly. And we haven't seen that this year. Uh, they, they started off kind of, you know, on a positive note with when you're looking at wins and it's been a little tougher as, as the year goes here, but um, you got to hope that something changes in this offense so that we can see these weapons uh, start performing fantasy wise and more consistently. Josh, you put out a tweet Earlier today, four QBs have thrown for at least 250 yards these past three weeks. Joe Flacco, Jake Browning, Trevor Lawrence, Matthew Stafford, an absolute brutal year for the position. Let's talk about Joe Flacco a bit. He's been a revelation in Cleveland. Who are you trusting in this offense for the last two weeks, Josh? And does the Week 17 matchup? (laughs) Dan wrote this question, so I'm laughing as I'm reading it, but... The Week 17 matchup versus the Jets, the revenge games. Everyone loves these revenge games, eh? Does that make a difference for you at all, Josh? So Flacco, I'll stream him this week against the Texans. I will not stream him against the Jets. Everything I just said for Sam Howell kind of applies to Flacco. What I do like about Flacco for this week as a streamer is that he has at least 250 passing yards, at least two passing touchdowns, and at least 44 pass attempts these past three weeks. And that's very encouraging. This was a very run heavy team earlier in the season with with Watson, PJ Walker, Dorian Thompson Robinson, ultimately a ton of offensive line injuries and they decided to go with the gunslinger and they just want Joe Flacco to kind of go big player bust. He's had a lot of turnovers. I I will definitely play the Texans fantasy defense in a few spots. But I, I do like that they're just simply letting him air it out. They've realized that you can kind of live and die by the big play. We saw last week they were routinely outplayed by the Bears. The Bears had the lead for most of the game. Joe Flacco had 125 passing yards in those final three minutes. You simply cannot have 125 rushing yards in the final three minutes of a game over two drives. So I think that it kind of shows that they're being intelligent with him. When we look at the weapons uh, at running back, Jerome Ford's just kind of this like desperation fantasy RB2, RB3 borderline type player where if you're in a PPR league, hey, Joe Flacco's immobile. Ford's averaged nearly five targets a game these past three weeks with Flacco. If you're in a more of a half PPR standard league, I'm less interested in Ford. And then in the passing game, David Njoku is the guy I'm confidently starting both weeks. He's had 26 or more fantasy points back-to-back games with Flacco. Overall, he's had double-digit fantasy points eight of his past nine games. His target share has been at least 19% eight of those nine games as well. That's almost impossible to find at the tight end position. So Njoku, we're, we're just going to confidently roll him out both weeks. Cooper, I'm very excited about him this week specifically. He's either been targeted on one in three of his routes or reached 100 yards in each game with Flacco this year. You're looking at the number one option in a high volume and reasonably effective pass attack. That Jets week 17 game, I really just don't want to start Cooper if possible. He's probably like in the wide receiver 24-ish range. Ultimately, it's a Thursday game against the Jets with potentially bad weather in Cleveland. That's really not a game that we should be excited about in any fashion. But Njoku, we, I think that's the one guy in this offense where both weeks he's a top eight fantasy tight end and kind of separating himself where there's about eight guys that we like. And then after that, you're like, oh, now we're starting to hit like Dallas Goddard, it's Isaiah Likely. They get a little bit fringier. So 
And Joku's kind of like that last line of defense that I like. Yeah, and Joku's been rolling nicely for an FPC team that uh, Andrew and I have going, um, still going in the championship rounds. Dan, fun fact by Grant Pusker, at Grant underscore Pusker. Joe Flacco is 5-2 and two in his career against the Texans. Mm-hmm. Does he go 6-2 and two this weekend, Dan? And are you kind of feeling the same with the, with the weapons that Josh mentioned around Flacco's uh, rejuvenated uh, career, I guess you could say? Yeah, I mean, it, if if you had told me before the season that Joe Flacco was going to be the guy who finally unlocked David and Joku after seven seasons, <laughs> I don't know that I would have believed that. Uh, but here we are, and you know, it it's working. You did it. So, <laughs> you know, we just got it. We got to go with what's working, and uh, you know, it's great to see for Joku. You know, he's a, he's a guy that uh, you know he's. Man, so many fantasy teams have, uh, you know, foundered on those rocks and washed up on the shore, uh, you know, trying to roster in Joku or start in Joku or whatever. And so he's finally paying off. So uh, all to the better for that. I I, I love to see that eventual success. Uh, Mari Cooper, I feel pretty good about starting him. Even even against the Jets, you know, if I was in a jam, I would start him. You know, he's not, he wouldn't be one of the first people I'd be looking for. But, um, you know, I... I wouldn't be so scared off by the Jets. I'd be starting, uh, you know, like Romeo Dobbs or somebody like that. I would, I would much rather just go ahead and get Cooper in there. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been going well. And uh, you know, as it gets late in games, if uh, if they're behind, Flacco kind of unleashes his inner Jameis Winston and just starts chucking that thing down the field. So you know, it's it's nice to see a quarterback who's who's you know pushing the ball down the field and. You know, not as worried about interceptions. He's like, hey, we got to win. You know, we got to push it down to win the game. And so he's doing what it's going to take to win. Another quarterback that kind of found himself in a nice situation, surrounded by nice weapons this year in Tampa is Baker Mayfield. They're picking up steam right now uh, when it matters with games against the Jags and the Saints recently. Josh, how fully do we trust Baker to deliver the goods in the money weeks now that we're in the championship the crucial weeks yeah my monday podcast i talked about this a little bit with ryan where we were like bucks fans unfortunately i think you are going to franchise tag or extend baker mayfield and he's just playing too well right now and the team's just winning too many games they're in the driver's seat uh to win the nfc south mayfield's pacing for just over four thousand passing yards nearly 30 passing touchdowns his quarterback ratings 95 that's all quite good He's reached 16 fantasy points, seven of his past nine games. The two misses were the Niners and the Panthers. Both are bottom four when you adjust for schedule and fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Baker's top 20 fantasy points has passed two games. And uh, now they face the Jaguars. Jaguars' pass defense has struggled all year. Quarterbacks average nearly three more fantasy points per game against the Jaguars than their season average. Mayfield himself has averaged over 17 fantasy points a game. I think we can expect close to 20 fantasy points from him this week. Baker's actually my quarterback 10 right now in my fantasy rankings. I like Baker. I don't love him. That's just kind of the state of the quarterback position this week that he is the quarterback 10. Next week against the Saints, when I looked at the schedule quickly, Baker's probably going to be my quarterback 15 or 16. So ideally, you're looking for other options. A guy like Matthew Stafford against the Giants, I'd prefer to Baker Mayfield against the Saints. The Saints are just not a great matchup for quarterbacks in general. It's just an offense that's kind of lethargic. You don't really want that on the other side of the ball. And their pass defense has kind of been just good enough this year. So this week, Mayfield top 12 quarterback. Next week, 
you're you're probably looking at 15 16 fantasy points which is not terrible but for that fantasy championship generally we're looking for a little more than that josh he put up 23.9 in week four against the saints <laughs> interesting he fact. did i uh, yeah i i would love if he does that again i i won't be expecting that though unfortunately okay. And, I mean, look, defenses improve, right, as, as the season goes. So it, the Saints are definitely a tough one. Um, Dan, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about uh, Mayfield and the weapons? you think KC can can take a, a note out of uh, out of this situation, like maybe getting some better weapons around the quarterback? Yeah, I, I think that would definitely make a lot of sense for, for the Chiefs to do. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about, uh, you know, Godwin has all of a sudden started to come on in the past couple of weeks. You know, it was, a, you know, two weeks ago, it was kind of the squeaky wheel thing. And uh, then he got the targets, but not necessarily a ton of yards or um, receptions. And then this past week, he had it all. He had these yards, receptions, except for the touchdowns. But uh, this is, you know, that's, that's what you want to see going into these playoffs. It seems like they've kind of found something, you know, by getting Godwin more involved. I think it's made the whole offense better. So um, I'm looking for them to keep him involved. And Rashad Wade has been a revelation. Uh, you know, it, for somebody who struggled so hard early in the season, he has really, really turned it on. Great to see. And uh, if you've been riding him, you want to keep riding him for sure. Yeah, that's where I was going, Dan. This this offense, to me, that's the biggest difference is Rashad White is, is truly an RB1 right now. He's just all over the place on the field. I've got him on a few rosters, and it's nice to see him kind of, you know, nice lock him in every week. Don't have to worry about it. Yes. You know, he, you know he's going to produce. He's giving you RB6, RB10, you know, like some, some nice top 10 weeks the last three weeks. Hopefully that continues. It should, the way this offense is ascending. I talked about KC jokingly a bit, Dan. I'll come back to you with it. Um, it, it obviously, Pacheco is out, so we went a bit more pass-heavy in that offense. Rashid Rice, a beautiful surprise. To me, him and Jaden Reed right now are just two beauties. I mean, anytime you can put those two in your flex, that's a, it's a nice week ahead. But, Dan, how do you feel about this offense now in KC? We're starting to see... Rasheed Rice, does is he now like the 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 wide receiver one in KC? Or are we seeing uh, something develop here, or is this kind of just uh, you know how the the games have have set so far? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, this is this is what's working now. Uh, you know, Sky Moore uh, really hasn't done anything all year. Uh, he just went on injured reserve, so he's out. Uh, Kadarius Tony, uh, he's better. At, making the Chiefs go backwards than forwards. Uh, I hear they might put him on imbecile reserve, um, but you know, we'll see. So that just leaves Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. And honestly, Kelsey is, you know, he's showing signs of ages here. He's just not quite getting to some of those balls that he used to get to. Um, seems like he's having a little more trouble coming down with the balls when they do get to him, uh, not getting open quite as much as he was. I mean, you know, obviously teams are paying a ton of attention to him and, you know, there's there's no mystery as to why. But, uh, you know, what that what all of that does is it just kind of leaves Rasheed Rice, who weirdly enough has not uh, been a huge downfield threat as much as he's, you know, it's been a lot of short dot passes going to Rasheed, Rasheed Rice and then he's taking them and, you know, doing getting a lot of yak, get, getting those yards after catch. And so, as long as he's able to do that, we love it. And Mahomes is looking for him when he really needs a big play. So that's that's great to see too. Thoughts on that, Josh? 
Yeah, I kind of see it the same way. Travis Kelsey is starting to decline. I don't think it has anything to do with Taylor Swift, but I think we should note that he is currently with Taylor Swift, having the first season that shows true age-related decline. I I like Rice this week. I have him as a high-end fantasy wide receiver, too. He ran a route on 95% of Mahomes' dropbacks last week, the first time a Chiefs receiver reached even 90% all year. The past four weeks, Rice has at least nine targets, seven catches, and 64 receiving yards in every game. Those past four games, he has nine red zone targets. In that span, he's averaging 21 PPR fantasy points a game these past four weeks. The Raiders are more of a run funnel defense, but again, it's Mahomes. I, I don't really think we need to worry too much about that. If Mahomes loves a guy, and like you said, Dan, shorter A dot, the I don't think anyone's better than Andy Reid at scheming up yards after the catch for receivers that are not necessarily as talented as you'd expect. Some people might say it's Shanahan, and I'm like, well, he also has Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. These guys are ridiculous after the catch. Rice is definitely not at that level, and he's still being put into positions where he can really succeed. So uh, Evans is my wide receiver 14 right now, and I don't think that's too crazy. I, I don't see any format or any team where you shouldn't be starting Rice at this point. Yeah, wide receiver three in Yak and wide receiver seven in red zone targets, just to back up what both of you are saying with the young receiver. If you picked him up in Dynasty this year, you're definitely pumped to have him on your team, especially if he stays tied to Mahomes. Um, let's go to New England, guys. Not the funnest you know, offense to talk about this year, but Hunter Henry's lit up the box score these past two weeks. Is he someone that we're ready to, to just trust in our lineups, Josh, especially during these crucial times? Or is this just like if you're super desperate, injuries, whatever, at least you know that he's got some kind of ceiling uh, in Hunter Henry. How do you feel about the tight end in Patriot land? So Bailey Zappi's been a little better than expected. That's at least good for Hunter Henry. He, Hunter Henry has at least 19 fantasy points back-to-back games with Zappi. He had a season-high nine targets last week. He's had an end zone target each of the past two games. When you adjust for schedule, the Broncos are a sieve against tight ends. That's kind of been a staple of these Vic Fangio defenses. Broncos have given up three and a half more fantasy points than expected to the tight end position. But even still, I do not have Hunter Henry in my top 12 tight ends this week because of floor concerns. Eight of his 14 games this year, that's 57%, are under six PPR fantasy points. Roughly six and 10 times, he's going to be under six fantasy points the way I see it is if you want Hunter Henry and you're projected to lose your fantasy matchup, sure, start him for the ceiling. I think uh, Henry's going to be a lot of my DFS lineups this week. Probably not in any fantasy lineups that that I'm aware of for this week, and that's that's kind of how I view him is that, hey, you're projected to lose by 15 points, throw in Hunter Henry. Otherwise, just play him on DraftKings or FanDuel and see what happens. Dan, did you answer the, the Hunter Henry? Nope. Go ahead. Okay. Not yet. So go ahead and and then we'll get to Matt's question in the uh, the chat here. We'll get a question in. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Josh on uh, on Hunter Henry. I think if you're you know if you need a lot of variance to win your matchup, then he's a guy you probably throw in there. You know, and if you want to talk yourself into starting Hunter Henry, the way you do it is you can say, hey, since Zappy took over, all of a sudden Hunter Henry has been reintegrated into this offense. Uh, Zappy's looking for him often. Uh, you know, his his resurgence did kind of come at the same time as a quarterback change, you know, so we can look at that and we can say that must be why it is. And if you are also a little bit nervous about Hunter Henry, you can look at it and say that's a two game sample size. That's not nearly enough to draw a conclusion that strong. So uh, whichever, whichever way you want to take it. I have, uh, I have a 
couple teams where I'm probably going to throw them in there because I think I am probably going to be an underdog, and I have a couple teams where I'm just going to leave them sitting on my bench. Yeah, no, I think that that's uh, definitely a good move. Definitely depends on your situation. One situation that has been kind of on and off, Josh, has been Saquon Barkley in, in New York, obviously with a young quarterback now, but he's suddenly become a boomer bust starter for fantasy, alternating single-digit outings with 20-plus point extravaganzas. Can we trust the running back against Philly and the Rams these next couple weeks? So since Tommy DeVito kind of took over for real, we'll skip that one game where I think the Giants totaled about like seven passing yards. We'll throw that out. We'll go with week nine onward. Saquon's had three games against really, really easy matchups for fantasy running backs. The Raiders in week nine, Washington in week 11, the Packers in week 13. He had at least 14 fantasy points each of those games. But then sprinkled in there, we had week 10 against Dallas, week 12 against the Patriots, week 14 against the Saints. He was under eight fantasy points in those three games. That's often what you see when it's a really, really unwatchable offense is that defenses really, really matter. We talk a lot about how like, a Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be a little less uh, concerned with, a, oh, this is the, the Jets defense or whatever, or like Josh Allen, probably a little less concerned. Once you start getting to the bad quarterbacks, the whole offensive game plan changes drastically. And week 15 against the, or week 16 against the, the Eagles this week, uh, they're the 32nd, as in the worst matchup possible for fantasy running backs. And then next week against the Rams, they are the second worst matchup for fantasy running backs. This is adjusting for schedule. It's an absolutely brutal stretch. Saquon's probably going to get you seven to 10 fantasy points each game. I wouldn't expect more of that. You might say, well, like, well, like, what if they're trailing against the Eagles? The problem is that DeVito is pretty mobile. If for some reason he's concussed and he doesn't play, Tyrod Taylor is also pretty mobile. Saquon had four catches, 57 receiving yards, two touchdowns against the Commanders. That's great, but that's also the Commanders. This is last year's Vikings. It's the, the pass defense that literally can't stop anybody. The other five DeVito games, Saquon's averaged two receptions for 12 receiving yards. Getting three fantasy points per game through the air is just not that appealing to me. I have Saquon Barkley actually as a sit for this week. I have him outside my top 24 running backs because I don't think the ceiling's that high. And I think what you're most likely getting is seven or eight fantasy points, which just simply doesn't cut it at this stage. Dan, don't let me not go to the question after you answer this question about Barkley because that's how my brain is just like too, too many things going on at once, man, trying to run this and, you know, remind me about the question is what I'm saying. Talk to us about Barkley. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with Josh. It, it looks uh, pretty ugly for Barkley the next couple weeks. Um, I definitely not starting him against the Eagles. I guess, you know, if it came down to it, I, I might start him against the Rams. But, you know, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to feel good about it. You know, Barkley is one of those things where you've got to, you know, look at a situation and say, am I going to start a guy named based on name value or where I drafted him? Or am I going to look at what his realistic odds are for putting up a, a winning score and do that? Um, you know, we, d we don't want to play the, for the friendliest loss where we're saying, you know, we can go around and, you know, sit by the water cooler and say, well, I started Saquon and he totally let me down. And meanwhile, you're sitting there with, um, you know, I don't know, like uh, uh, Ty Chandler uh, sitting on your bench. Um, I might feel better about starting Chandler, especially if uh, Madison's out, than starting Saquon. So, you know, again, you got to think about what are you, you know, what are you trying to accomplish here? You're looking to win, and if Saquon can't get you there, if you've got a better option, you probably need to use him. 
All right, let's get to Matt's question, uh, quarterback question for this coming week. Like Stafford to keep rolling this week versus New Orleans, Stafford or Kyler at Chicago this week? Josh, you have a preference with the quarterbacks? No preference right now. I have Kyler, quarterback 12, Stafford, quarterback 13. I'll probably flip them tomorrow, assuming it doesn't look like Marquise Brown is going to be able to suit up this week. Stafford, like you said, he's been rolling at least 250 passing yards and at least two passing touchdowns each of his past three games. Saints are just kind of this average matchup. I, I think Stafford at this point is kind of playing at a top five quarterback level and is at least reasonably matchup proof. Kyler has a nice rushing floor, but I mean, if you're if you're throwing to Michael Wilson, Greg Dorch, and you're facing a Bears defense that has been playing at a, a very, very strong level the past six weeks, then uh, I'm going to prefer Stafford. So if it doesn't look like Marquise Brown's playing tomorrow, I'm going to flip him. And we'll we'll throw Stafford into that fringe fantasy quarterback one conversation. Yeah, I'm just looking at the weapons around Dan. I'm um my slight lean, they're super close, like if you're ranking the quarterbacks type of thing, but I, I think my slight lean goes to Stafford just because he's got the weapons and ascending, you know, like they're playing for something. Uh I feel like in LA. How do you feel about it, Dan? Yeah, I'm kinda right there with you. I think I'd probably lean on the Stafford side as well. Um, you know, just because things are working there better than what they're working in uh Arizona. You know, I, I do like Kyler Murray long-term, but, you know, Arizona's a mess right now. Uh, they're probably going to be using James Conner a lot, um, you know, and it's it's just a tough situation. So I feel a little bit better about Stafford. Let's do this real quick one since we just talked about Barkley. Barkley or Gus, is it is it a lot closer than we think, Josh? Don is asking, especially with oh, uh, the, in- sorry, the injury to Mitchell. Or to, yeah. Mitchell, um, yes, Mitchell. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so I actually have Gus Edwards ranked ahead of Saquon Barkley this week. And that might seem crazy until you realize Keaton Mitchell is out. They do not really like Justice Hill at all. And this Niners defense is banged up. We just saw them get gashed, gashed, gashed by the Cardinals last week. James Conner had 14 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown and a long run of 44 yards. Amari DiMercato, four runs for 64 yards his long run was 49 yards even michael carter three carries for 27 yards with a long run of 19 i i like gus edwards i actually trust the ravens run game more than the cardinals in many aspects so i i don't think it's out of the question i i will definitely in the the prop markets be taking some gus edwards 75 plus 100 plus yards gus edwards two touchdowns most likely i think he actually has a, a pretty stable floor and a really good ceiling in that matchup yeah, Dan, those Arizona running backs look great this weekend. Uh, how do you feel about Gus versus Barkley? Yeah, somewhere there's a you know a Gus the bus running in that running up that Justice Hill uh, joke in there. I don't, I don't know exactly how that works, but it's 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 around there somewhere. I'm going to workshop it and see what I come up with. So uh, I'll I'll be back next week and let you know where we're at. But uh, yeah, I it, this is one of those places where sometimes you just got to do the ugly thing, which is starting. Gus Edwards is, it gets to San Francisco defense, and two weeks ago, if, you, if you'd if you asked me, is there any reason in this wide world where you should do that, I would have said, no, don't. Just stop. Don't even think about it. And now it uh, it might be the right way to go. So uh, things change. Got to change your mindset with them. Yeah, I'm with it, man, especially after watching the Arizona running backs uh, versus San Fran. Let's go to, to Houston. Um, we've got a quarterback down, a uh, um receivers that are down noah brown last week just you know takes over it's it's next man up it looks like in the the texans offense 
uh, scoring 20-plus versus, versus the Titans. He did give us two nice big bagels uh, prior against the Broncos and the Jets. How do you feel about Noah Brown, uh, Josh, someone we can trust moving forward? And then looking at the running back, especially with Devin Singletary kind of breaking out or not breaking out, but like taking over, you know, that 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 role, that that primary role in Houston. How do you feel about him versus Damian Pierce moving forward? So about an hour ago, we got a report: C.J. Stroud is unlikely to return this week. Looks like he's going to miss two games due to the concussion. So now that we have backup quarterback play, I hope for Noah Brown's sake, Nico Collins doesn't play because what we generally see from backup quarterbacks is they can support one option. Very very tough to see them supporting two. Assuming it's just Noah Brown as the main guy, then. Yeah, he, he's going to get started this week because he operates in the slot. I talked with Ryan Reynolds about this. He watches every snap of every game, and we kind of discussed how Cleveland's perimeter corners are their strength. They're awesome. Slot, it's a much different story. That's where Noah Brown operates. He just had 11 targets from Case Keenum and caught eight for 82 yards and a touchdown. That's 22 fantasy points. Last week, we liked that. It's probably not going to be quite that good against the Browns this week. But it's it's just a very, very consolidated target share. To answer your Singletary question, I trust Singletary. Texans are trying to sneak into the playoffs. Not the fantasy playoffs, the real playoffs. These games matter. And they trusted Singletary as a bell cow the past couple weeks. Week 14, he had three times the carries of Damian Pierce. And he ran the most routes in that backfield. And then they said, you know what? We're just going to give you all the work. On Sunday this past week, 26 of the 28 running back carries, five of the six running back targets, Overall, that is 31 opportunities that he turned into 170 total yards. Every time he's got the full workload this year, he's looked awesome. He's definitely earned it for week 16. And I think he's probably going to earn it as well for week 17. So Damian Pierce was someone that I whiffed on. I was pretty excited, especially with that preseason usage. And at this point, it seems like they're kind of doing what the Bills have done, where there were a few seasons where the Bills would have a running back committee and then like week 12, 13 hits. And they go, you know what, Devin Singletary, you're getting 20 to 25 touches Mm -hmm. a game. We're seeing that once again in Houston, and uh, you can trust him based on that volume. He's he's the December dancer, Josh Singletary. Is. He is <laughs> December <laughs> dancer. Oh my gosh! All right, <laughs> I don't know how, how how do I even follow that? Um, <laughs> I you know and I will say you know it, everything you guys said was spot on, and we can probably move on. But I do want to say Devin Singletary also had a long touchdown run and overtime called back uh, due to a penalty. So, uh, you know, this day, as good as it was, could have been even better. Speaking of Buffalo, they've done the the most unexpected thing ever, discovering their running game, um, especially, you know, we just saw them in a big win recently. Diggs has been barely there with over or over the past five games. Unfortunately, I mean, he's, you know, started off really well and with the, the draft capital you put in, it's kind of disappointing, especially this time of year with four single-digit scores. Now, Josh, can we trust anyone in this passing game when we look at Buffalo? As much as the team looks better, when we're looking fantasy points, how are we feeling about the aerial game, Buffalo? I'm honestly concerned. I'm still starting Stephon Diggs. How can you not? And I'm still going to start Don Kincaid. That's the tight end position. But it's it's very worrisome because if we look at the the offensive coordinator change, the past four games when they switched from offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, who was fired, to Joe Brady. These past four games, Cook has averaged 17 carries for 88 rushing yards per game. And then even more impressively, 4.8 targets and 53 receiving yards per game. So Cook's eating massively into 
that receiving load. We also have Latavius Murray and Ty Johnson combining for 13 carries a game these past four games. You're looking at 30 running back carries a game overall. And then we look at the schedule and you go, oh, yikes. I could see I could see them not needing to pass much. This week, Easton Sticks Chargers. <laughs> week 17, Bailey Zappi's Patriots. I hate this schedule. So I'm kind of, I'll put it this way. I'll just begrudgingly start Diggs and Kincaid knowing that if the if the Bills want to, they will shred them. But I, I just don't know if they need to. And right now, I think they're kind of looking at how they're going to make uh, a playoff run. And I think they can potentially make a deep one in the AFC this year, where it looks like kind of the three best rosters right now might actually all be NFC teams with the Niners, Cowboys, Eagles. I think those three teams kind of have a claim as the most stable teams right now, top to bottom with their roster. I think the Bills really don't need to do much these next two weeks. So am I worried? Yes, Am I changing my game plan? Not much. Kind of just downgrades Gabe Davis, where I, I don't know why we're going to kind of prey on the deep threat at this point when you're facing Easton Stick and Bailey Zappi. So, yeah, it's, it's ultimately just a terrible situation. Dan, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk about how I told people to go and get James Cook like in June and, and July. T to me, it always felt like but the Buffalo Bills, if they came into this year and did the same thing as previous years, you got to call insanity. Because it just did the same thing over and over and kept getting the same result. They had to do something different this year. They had a young running back with the talent. Singletary was gone. To me, it was kind of a no-brainer that James Cook would eventually take over. And especially this time of year, because like you talked about, Josh Singletary showed us this in the past in this offense where they like to kind of give the load to a, a specific running back. Dan, how do you feel about it? Are you kind of on the same page as Josh? High hopes for... for uh, any of the aerial game or are you, you just kind of looking at Allen and, and Cook right now? Right now, basically, yeah, Allen and Cook are the ones I feel great about starting Diggs, as, as you guys have both said. You've, you've got to start him. You have to start him. Uh, it's you know, because yeah. he, he is, other than, you know, Cook, he's the, the primary weapon in this offense, you know, once we get past Josh Allen. So, he, you know, what else are you going to do? Uh, Gabe Davis, I just don't think I could start him at all anymore. Uh, you know, I would rather start uh, almost anybody else. I'd, I'd rather start Parker Washington out of uh, Jacksonville or something than Gabe Davis because I'd feel like at least Washington might get me a few points. I don't think Gabe Davis is getting me any points. Uh, it's, it's been a tough row for him. Uh, you know, he's just been pr pretty much completely phased out by uh, – them passing to the running backs a little bit more, and they just haven't need to, to look towards Davis near as much. Uh, any of the other ancillary pieces there, like uh, Knox or Shakir or any of those, you just you can't start them either. All right, guys, let's end this thing in Jacksonville. Uh, big topic these days, in the especially in the AFC. Calvin Ridley, he struggled uh, to convert targets to fantasy points, especially since uh, Christian Kirk went down recently. Zay Jones now looks likely to be out for a while. Unfortunately, he was he was really good this time last year uh, in Jacksonville. Josh, I know you put out a pretty sweet tweet. I'm not going to read it out and steal any of your thunder, but is it over for Ridley this season? Who are you trusting besides Ingram in the Jacksonville offense? Yeah, I'm going to live and die by Calvin Ridley these next two weeks. It's a little scary. Christian Kirk's on injured reserve. Zay Jones has that week-to-week -week hamstring injury. And if we look at the last three games, because Christian Kirk exited week 13 after only one route, week 13, Ridley had eight targets, 156 air yards. Week 14, 13 targets, 166 air yards. Week 15, 12 targets, 164 air yards. 
the three game span, he had eight red zone targets. Five of those came in the end zone. And yet he was under 10 fantasy points. All three of those games. He's actually averaged eight and a half fantasy points per game. The past three weeks, I plugged it into my expected fantasy points model, which looks at every single target and kind of where, where he's getting those targets and what the average receiver would have done. The average receiver would not have had eight and a half fantasy points. He would have averaged just over 19 fantasy points over these past three weeks because of the outrageous target depth deep down the field in heavy, heavy red zone and end zone action. And then we look at this week, especially, oh boy, the Buccaneers. When you adjust for schedule, that's the third best matchup. Receiver rooms average six more fantasy points per game than expected against the Buccaneers. We've kind of seen that for the past half decade now where the Buccaneers are tough against the run struggle against the pass and i mean who is it at this point it's evan engram and it's calvin ridley parker washington's probably a good volume bet in terms of if you need to start somebody in a pinch but it's hard not to see them funneling this pass attack through engram and ridley like they've been doing and especially with zay jones out i i think we could see 15 ridley targets here and i he just has to be more efficient at some point and why not bet on him this week when we love the matchup and we know the volume deep down the field is going to be there a bit better situation than Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer last week, Dan. Where we 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 left on on a bench in one team, but we still we still pulled off the W. You know, uh, how do you feel uh, about Ridley moving forward? Yeah, I, I think Josh is right on. You know that you know that all, all the opportunity that he's been getting, and there's no reason to believe that that's going away. You know, just due to the fact that they have hardly anybody left uh, to you know go out there and catch the ball. Uh, you know, so if you are if if you're in one of these championship sprints with the FFPC or an FFC or whatever, and you're sitting kind of down in the middle of the pack, Ridley is a perfect guy for you to start because the guys up at the top, they might be looking to put Ridley on their bench because he hasn't been performing, you know, and they're trying to hold their spot up at the top. But you, you've got nothing left to lose. You need to, you need to make some decisions that are different than what the people at the top are making. And that's a great one to make because it's got a really good chance of success. You don't want to make dumb moves just to make dumb moves, but I would not classify this as a dumb move at all. So uh, get him in there. One dumb move would be to not follow the director of fantasy and betting over at the 33rd third team. He's he's obviously our favorite guest. He's been on, I'm pretty sure he's been on the most, Dan. I, I think John Daigle might be the only one that, that's even close uh we, we love both of you guys but josh we always love when you join us at j larky tweets remind the peeps what you have coming out where they can find all your greatness and anything else you want to share before we close this out guys first thanks as always for having me it's always a great time i look forward to this whenever i guest on uh if i'm gonna stay up late and talk fantasy football this is the best place to do it and i i think all the listeners agree i know that's why you guys have built such a good following over the years I would just say go to the 33rdteam.com. That's the best way to support the work that we do. There's links to our Apple podcast feed. There's links to our Discord, which is free. All our stuff is free, so you can pay for all the player profiler tools and ch check out some of the 33rd team content. The, the big stuff that's coming up on tap is just that, again, just read that fantasy football playoffs guide that Ryan and I wrote. It's my pinned tweet on Twitter. And then for the actual NFL playoffs, we're going to have a lot of really, really interesting betting and DFS content because we understand that when there's no fantasy, people need something to get excited over. And I think we're going to have some really cool uh, free content there just to help make the fantasy or to make the real NFL playoffs more interesting 
and engaging for everyone that is done with the fantasy and wants to be able to wager a little money on some exciting NFL action. Appreciate you, Josh. Dan, we started this show with not only a bit of technical difficulty, uh, but talking about how, you know, maybe a bit less attention this time of year with uh, the, the teams that are not still in. But our chat tonight was lit. The live show was lit. We appreciate you guys joining us. Smash that like button for Josh and all the goodness he brought. Dan, your public service announcement was awesome. Do you have anything to add, buddy, uh, before we, we walk out of this one? No, man, just, uh, you know, again, enjoy the playoffs. Enjoy the fact that you're, you know, if you're in them, enjoy the fact that you're in them. Uh, it's a great time of year. Have some fun with it. And, uh, you know, just go out there and make some great decisions. I think we've given you a lot today to, to help you out, uh, you know, and, and, and look past the specific situations we've been talking about, but what the mindset is behind all of those decisions. When you when you learn that, then that's, a, that's when you learn how to really do well in fantasy. So uh, we appreciate Josh coming on and uh, sharing all this great wisdom with us. For sure, guys. Have fun this weekend. Good luck to all of you, except for people in our leagues. <laughs> right, Dan? <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's that time of year where there's only room for a couple of winners. You know what I mean? Like one or two in the league. So, no, in all seriousness, guys, ho hope you guys uh, crush it this weekend. We'll check you next Tuesday right here at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on the Player Profiler Network. You can find the Thursday tailgate on Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern on the GOAT District channel. Make sure you subscribe there if you're not already. And as usual, we'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. 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 And I always be traded. 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 And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. Fish.